to behave. It is. Thank you. Oh, big breath after all that technical difficulty. Welcome, everyone. Let's get going with what we're doing here. Welcome to the Peapod. And just like the peas in a Peapod, each human is here to have experiences that will contribute to the growth of all. Here at the Peapod, we will examine some of these experiences and glean the lessons learned, the truth uncovered, and come to a deeper understanding through our sharing. Grab your popcorn, get comfortable, maybe even a paper and pen, and get ready for an amazing time with your hostess, Terry Angel, a woman on a mission to bring change, especially in the arena of peace into our world. And here she is. <laughs> Wasn't that fun? Yes. <laughs> I love fun stuff. All right, so let me see where I am. <laughs> the restream just kind of threw me there for a minute, but getting there to the right screen. Okay, so welcome to the Peapod. Why am I still seeing that recording? There you all are. Yay. <laughs> Woo. It's always the glitches with the first show, right? So in meditation, the angels showed me an image. And that image was a pea pod, kind of like this one right here. And inside of it was all of us with no exclusions. And they shared that we are all one. And we are all fed by the same source, the creator. When they told me to create a podcast this year, there was no doubt this is what it was supposed to be, a gathering of the peas in a safe environment called the Peapod. It's an incubator for love, allowing each unique person to speak, expressing with love, sharing hope into the world. I am so honored to have these two ladies as my co-host today, Marbeth Dunn, such a beautiful person and friend, and I want to share some things about you regarding grief, but I also want to welcome Dr. Ruth Anderson. Thank you, both of you ladies, for being here today. Absolutely, Terry. It's wonderful to be here with you. It sure is. So I had reached out to some people who I wanted to come into the Peapod and share with us and share on different topics. And as I was talking with Marbeth, she, Marbeth, you were the very first one that said, oh, yes, I love this. I want to be there. <laughs> and when, um, when I was asking about the topics that you would like to explore and grief came up and we both agreed after this turbulent time that we've been through the past year and after the uh, recent holidays and all the high emotions and then the low emotions and a lot of loss that's happened, that we should go ahead and address grief in a good way and really bring it out in the open and talk about it. 
And grief, it doesn't just mean that there's been a death. You mm -hmm. grieve from losses as well. Mm -hmm. What I want to share about my Beth, and then we'll open up this whole discussion. Um, a few years ago, I went through an experience with my health, and I ended up having a major surgery. I had a double mastectomy due to breast cancer. And this lady, Marbeth, who lived very close to me at the time, would call me up. I'm coming to get you. I'm taking you to lunch. And we would have the most beautiful conversations and time together. And we really need support. And that's why I'm bringing that story forward. Because when our time of grief, we really need that other person or people to say, I'm here with you. I will walk through you, whatever that fire is. And so I just want to open it up with that and ask you ladies to expand on this topic of grief and how we make it through those times. Well, I know. Go ahead, Ruth. Go ahead, Ruth. No, I was going to say, why don't you start? Okay. So, yeah, I've had, definitely have had my share of grief. Grief is not just about um losing someone that you love although that has happened uh several times to me um but it's also it, it could be you know feeling that you're losing your youth it could be feeling that you're lo you've lost your health or going through a health challenge there's so many ways that we can you know get thrown off our game and we start grieving and a lot of times we don't even recognize that we're grieving. We just feel that something is off and we don't know what it is, or even that we're supposed to allow ourselves to recognize that, oh, I'm grieving that. I'm grieving that I don't feel sexy anymore. I'm grieving that youth. I'm grieving that person that I lost or the home that I lost. And it, it's... It really needs to be recognized and, and honored that, yes, you're experiencing something that you can be just um, recognize that you need to be gentle with yourself and allow uh, other ways of looking at it so that you can start to release it. Well, and you know, what comes to mind for me is so many of us are mothers and family members of some kind, whether it's a family of love or a family of blood. But for so many of us women, we tend to make sure everybody else is okay first. Mm -hmm. And we don't even stop to think, oh, what does this feel like for me? I, my daughter was telling me, um, just a couple of days ago was the one year anniversary of our neighborhood burning, um, including our home. And my daughter reminded me, she said, mom, you didn't cry. And when we were watching our house burn on the news, she goes, you didn't cry. And it's no, that's right. Because I was watching after you two kids and my husband and wondering about, okay, what about the dogs? And, you know, trying to get into that managerial mode which I think is, um, for some of us, it's a protection. You know, we protect ourselves by becoming the manager. And that's what I do. So yeah, um, for me, I don't think I felt it for probably the first 
three days, maybe. And Terry, you were absolutely right there by my side throughout that whole thing unraveling. But I, I don't think I cried for three days. So, you know, women in particular, and, and some men are really caregivers also. But I think we probably stand more risk of harboring the grief and having it turn inward on us physically while everybody else is emoting it. It's very true. And it really affects your health. Yeah. Yeah. But what a great point, Ruth, about how, how we handle those moments. And yeah, that we do what we have to do sometimes. It's, it's like, especially I think as women, I'm not being sexist at all, but especially as women, we're, we're geared to be caretakers. And so like you were seeing your children and how this was affecting them. And I remember I was here and we drove out to where your house burned down. And you had told me you've been out there several times looking at it and you weren't able to really cry. I guess, you know, the family was there as well. And that was the moment when you were really able to grieve what had happened in that loss in your life. So sometimes we have to be gentle with ourselves and allow ourselves that time alone or with a supportive friend to really go into, okay, now I can really understand what I lost. and you know, give in to the emotions that, that flood through. Well, and on top of that, Terry, sometimes you get the, the after wave of it. So just on the one year anniversary, Terry and I found out that over a thousand pets perished in the fire. And yeah, that's Marbeth. That's what I did. It was like, oh, that just, that just pulled the band-aid off of any scab I thought was healing it just opened it right back up so you know a year later sometimes you get you get the wallop again you know it, these things can take years years no it's very true it's very true and I mean, sometimes it helps to be in a group with other people who have experienced, you know, a similar event um, or a loss in some way or another. Um, many years ago, when I lived in Santa Fe, um, I, I worked at the Life Center. I volunteered at the Life Center for Attitudinal Healing. And we had groups just for grief or personal growth or um, personal growth, grief, and, and people who had catastrophic illness. So, you know, and it, it's just so healing for people to come together, you know, certain guidelines that would be followed. And you, you just came out of these groups just feeling so much more expanded. You know, there's something about sharing that, I'm not alone here. Other people have experienced this and they're surviving. They've made it through. And there's a, you can just take courage from that. And also it, it's really helpful because you, you also have empathy for other people and they have empathy for you. So it's a really beautiful experience. Now, something that's coming to mind, and I'm not really sure why it is, but 
you know, when they talk about the seven stages of grief, Kubler-Ross's work, and something that just dawned on me, you know, grief from a divorce, right? And, and how easy it is to get stuck in one of those stages. And the one that just flashed in my mind was anger. Yeah. What do you do when you are so angry and you have to look at this person when they come to pick up the kids once a week and you can't, you can't really get over it when you're having to look at it once a week. Do you guys have any ideas how to move forward when you're stuck in one of those stages of grief? Well, I, I had, um, I lost a sweetheart um, about, I guess, about 12, maybe 13, 14 years ago. And um, it was sudden on Valentine's Day. Um, yeah. And it was, it was a shock, you know, he, he died suddenly of a heart attack and I found him. So, um, but I had, I had tools that I use, you know, and, and we're light workers. We have tools that we can use and I use them and, you know, and I, I made a conscious decision. Am I going to curl up in a ball of grief or am I going to use the tools that I have to work through it? And I decided to work through it and which was kind of an interesting mix because part of me was like, maybe there's a little guilt for moving through it, mm-hmm. but it, I was able to, to move through it very quickly, like maybe just a few, two, three months. And I woke up and I was like, wow, I'm feeling good. And I, I definitely felt the love. I definitely felt so much love and appreciation for him, but I, I wasn't feeling the sadness or the grief, which is not to say that it didn't come back occasionally, but I had, I had worked through most of it. And I realized, you know, there are a lot of, of gifts in grief, so many gifts because it, 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 etches like a deep hole in your heart and then you but it gives you a greater capacity for love so and and also it helps you grow and understand things at a deeper level so you know there there's a lot of layers to it but um we can actually so the title of this is good grief um it, there, there's a lot to to really be grateful for in it. I mean, one of the things that was wonderful with your experience, Ruth, is all of the people that came forward and said, Ruth, we love you mm-hmm. and we're here to cover you. We've got you covered. Oh, absolutely. Not, yeah. not only from this EWN family, but also our community. Mm-hmm. But we lost a thousand homes. And so there were many, many people who were displaced either because of damage, smoke damage to their homes or having totally lost their homes. So it was a major community event and businesses around here, churches, just single donations. It was amazing how much love and support there was and still is as folks are now just beginning to rebuild in that neighborhood. Yeah. So to watch that process. 
uh, going back to your question, Ruth, I had, uh, I had written down a quote, as a matter of fact, from Renata Suzuki. And she says, when you experience loss, people say you'll move through the five stages. You mentioned them, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. What they don't tell you is that you will cycle through them all every day. So it's not like we're, we're saying, oh, okay, I'm going to deal with anger right now. And then the next day, I'm going to deal with depression. But you go through all of those stages. And grief is individual. It, we can't say, you're going to do it this way. This is the pattern. It's going to happen the way it's going to happen for each of us. And so when we do get stuck, and we do, we get stuck sometimes on one of those experiences of anger. Those, that sometimes is the one we remember the most because anger is passionate. So we remember being angry. And it's always good to say, okay, what can I do with this? Instead of trying to stuff it down and say, I'm not mad, I'm not mad, I'm not mad. We can't just, just ignore it. It's going to be there and it's going to come out in one way or another. So the best way I think is to communicate, to talk about it. Find a counselor or a listening ear, somebody that can be compassionate and help you as you're going through whatever it is that's coming up for you and be gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that is so important to just allow that, okay, I am angry. And, you know, sometimes we have that, uh, that thought that we can't be angry. We, maybe we were raised in a, a family where we weren't allowed to express anger or sadness, or a lot of the emotions, but it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay for whatever is coming up in your experience. It's your experience. Don't let anybody tell you you can't, because this is between you and your creator, and when you allow it, then the love can flow in, and you'll get, you'll work through that. It's beautiful. Yeah. I would take that a step further and I would say it's okay to be stuck. Yeah. It's really okay because sometimes that just is helping us to dig deeper and try to deal with really what the issues are under there. And if you just gloss over it and think, oh, I, it's not okay to be feeling this way. I should be feeling better. Then eventually you're going to have to come back in and deal with those emotions because if you don't deal with it at the time it'll come back and it might come back in a different format but it will come back so yeah if you're feeling stuck make it a thing make make it your own pity party really feel it go into it feel it walk through it draw it cook it whatever you need to do cry it whatever you need to do, but you might as well take the time to really do it. Really, really do it. Because we don't want it turning inward on us physically. We don't. I mean, we're seeing more and more people with cancer now. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how much of that is because they've been stuffing emotions. And I think also it's really important to ask yourself, where am I feeling this in my body? And then allow yourself to move inward and be with that feeling in your body. I find that it really allows, you're basically acknowledging it. You're saying, okay, you're here. I acknowledge you and I'm allowing you because I'm just letting you be. 
and I'm feeling you. And if you just allow that, very often it just moves on its way and, and it's gone. It, it just wanted to be acknowledged. And that's, isn't that what we all want? Yeah. We all want to be acknowledged. And so whatever's going on inside of us, it's going to get our attention. So, oh, beautiful words, ladies. I love this. So, yeah. So what nuggets can we give people? I think we've given a lot, but any other suggestions? I know in the old days, when you know, back in the day, when we talk about grief, you know, we we're talking about um, punching a pillow or somehow releasing that emotion that could be stuck or that can be overwhelming and just keeps coming up every day. Um, you know, there's many techniques that you can use. And I love the punching a pillow thing myself. <laughs> I love movement. I think that's important because how many times when you're depressed or you're in that stage of grief and you just don't want to go anywhere, you don't want to see anybody, you don't want to do anything. And so you pull the covers up and bury your head. So how important do you all think movement is to release some of that energy? Or going out into nature mm -hmm. and just letting nature just, I find just walking outside just gives me that ah, feeling, you know, the earth is so nurturing and we can just allow it, maybe even envision the emotions, just going down into the earth, being cleansed and then coming back cleaner, purer. You know, just having that lovely inter interaction with with nature. And uh, I think that's really important to spend time outdoors in any event, whether, it, whether it's, um, you know, grief or just you're feeling good. I think it's still important to go out there and have that, that communion. So... Um my husband has been dealing with cancer and the social worker had said to him, you need to go outside and get the stink off is how she was describing it. You know, when you're in that depressed place and you're just so miserable, go outside and get the stink off. I thought that was perfectly stated. <laughs> Absolutely. So when I was 30, I went through a divorce. And even though I was the one that asked for it, I thought I was going to die. It was the most painful thing I had been through at that point in my life so far. And I realized the best way for me to survive that was to become my best friend. Mm. That meant looking at myself in the mirror, which apparently I don't do that much. Um, but I would look at myself in the mirror and I would start crying and I would hear myself saying things like, this really stinks. This really hurts. And just by having me feed myself back that validation of how badly that felt, that was healing in a way to me. And then I would go take a hot bath and I would just wallow in it. And I just needed some wallowing time. And then I could kind of dig myself out. I was a teacher 
at the time in Los Angeles. And I remember I would cry on the, you know, half hour drive to school. I'd be fine in the classroom. And as soon as the kids were out the door, I'd start crying again. And it was, I had to build time in to cry and it was okay. You know, just giving yourself permission, really becoming your best friend at that moment was hugely healing for me. To love and accept yourself where you are, right? Here and now. Yeah. Um, it just reminded me many years ago, there was a book by Ken Kais. I don't know if you ever read that. It was a handbook for higher consciousness. I'm sure it's out of print. I may have a copy somewhere. And um, I love and accept myself here and now and consciously experience everything I think, feel, say, and do as a necessary part of my growth into higher consciousness. Boy, that's rich. Isn't that? And you know, he was he was a paraplegic. You know, he was he he came from, I don't know if you've heard of like Kai's real estate. He came from a, a very wealthy real estate family. And um he had this accident and uh, he just went right into personal growth and development wrote many books and had quite a few followers, you know, so pretty amazing guy. But, you know, I mean, he definitely talk about grief, you know, you lose your ability to walk and, and, you know, how much grief I think of people that, you know, all these refugees that come here that are leaving their homeland, moving into a completely different culture how, you know, yes, they're moving forward for a dream, but still they're leaving behind their homeland. They're leaving behind a culture. They're leaving so much behind how much grief they must be carrying and not even aware that that's happening, you know? Well, look at our previous two years with COVID. Yeah, lessons in particular that went from thriving relationships at school where they could see each other daily to being stuck at home with their parents. And I think we're still trying to unravel the damage that that did to kids. But when we when you're saying good grief, how do we use that to our benefit? I think a really important part of grief is looking at yourself and being able to reinvent how you view yourself. Mm, yeah. We're well, that, not, we're not yeah. the same that we were before COVID, nor are our adolescents the same. I think it, I, I can't imagine anybody it did not affect. I know it, it definitely put me in a state of, um, I would say depression that I wasn't even aware of, mm. you know, I, I just now I feel, feel like I've got my spark back, but you know, there was a time there I was just, you know, going through motions and, you know, in uh, so often we don't realize it, but I think if we think of life as waves, you know, we have our ups and we have our downs and we have, you know, things that are good and things that are bad. But everything is really a gift. And if we can look at it 
like where what's the silver lining here you know when when my my sweetie uh, Harold died if anybody had told me that and I was in such a state of grief that there would be some amazing gifts from it <laughs> I would have been very upset I would have been very angry because you can't even imagine you know that there could be you know another side but I know that our loved ones want us to be happy. They want only the best for us. They don't want us to stay in a place of grief and sadness. They don't. They want us to live our lives and be happy. So I think that's really important that we think about that too. It's important, you know, to honor the grief you know, there's a time, you know, like, like the song, there's <laughs> a time for every, everything, every season. So. That's so true. You know, we have um, in our audience, we have Diane Beiersdorfer and Diane talks and teaches a lot about grief that she has been through. And she says, there's no time limit. I used to think I could get to the end of grief. Now I realize it's a companion that pops in every now and then, and I have to learn to be okay with that. And it's just what you were saying, Marbeth. It's a new way. It's a new way of life. It's a new way of going on without either the person or our health in the way we knew it, or even our security and our safety that was threatened during that time of COVID. Mm -hmm. so there is no time limit. But as you were saying, I know if it's a person that has left their physical body and we no longer have them, they would want us to move on and be happy and not be stuck. You know, we didn't die with them. So we should be enjoying this thing called life and figuring out how do we go on now and uh, still have that person, but in a different way in our life. Yeah, I still feel, you know, my mom passed in 2004. And I still, you know, sometimes I'll think of her and I get a lump in my throat and I can just feel like, oh, I wish you were here. Mm -hmm. But we know that life goes on and we know, I, I sometimes I feel her, you know, or I'll smell her perfume. You know, I know she's around. Yeah. That's sweet. You know, one thing that comes to my mind, I wonder how much of grief is that how we view ourselves isn't true anymore. I used to be a daughter. I'm no longer a daughter. Mm -hmm. I used to be a teacher. I'm not a, you know, all of the things that we thought we were and we were, we're not anymore. Right. And I think, you know, I, you know, whether you used to have two natural breasts or not, right? Now you have to look at that differently. I used to make a lot of money. Now I don't, you know, it's just, I just think so much of it is, oh, I have to reinvent me. I like to think of it, you know, life is kind of like being on a balance ball, you know, just <laughs> trying to just staying upright and things are, you know, are, are always shifting and you just have to kind of move it with it and, and stay in balance because if you don't, you're going to fall off and crash. <laughs> But don't we reinvent ourselves every day? Mm -hmm. Every day we're changed. We're not the person we were yesterday. We have new experiences. 
We have things that happen and, and to ourselves personally, to our world. So every day we had that opportunity to say, okay, what's my life going to be like today? Because we have that choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes the, the grief, if we're in that stage, can be kind of overwhelming. But if we're gentle and we breathe and we connect, like Marbeth was sharing earlier, do some grounding and just allow yourself to gently come to a place that's that's really joyful because it will be once you get back to who you are and you in a different way mm -hmm. and I think that's a lot of the reasons people get stuck is because they expect it to be the same as it was before that loss whatever that looked like that's very profound you know because life changes that's one constant is <laughs> that life is always going to change and, you know, if you don't like that, you know, you're going to have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to bring up something else. So I've, I've had a lot of traumas in my life. <laughs> That's just kind of the life I've lived. But one of the traumas was experiencing um, kidney failure when I was young. I was 21 years old, had my whole life ahead of me. And here I am with, you know, not looking too good. And I went into total kidney failure when I was six months pregnant. I went into such a rage against God. So let's talk about that for a minute. Because where does that anger go when we don't know any place to put it? And so we seek sometimes something or someone to blame, right? And I know so many people, they get stuck in their grief because they keep blaming something for whatever happened. And I stayed in that for a minute. I really did. I was like, how could you do this to me? And I really went into the blame and, and um, the anger. And I had to work through that. So trying to find a place for that anger that says, okay, somebody did something. So it's not always, and most of the time, it's not even that somebody did something. Things happen in life, and death is a part of life. So if we're looking to blame somebody or something for that death, then we're just going to keep ourselves in that state of anger, of uh, upset and chaos, and not reaching and understanding about what life is all about at all. Any wasn't, thoughts? Wasn't there a song um, I never got, or I never promised you a rose garden? Yeah. Right? I mean, no, no one has promised us that life will be without challenges. And honestly, if you just look across an ocean in almost any direction, you will see people who are so much more challenged than we are, just for the basic necessities. And I know for me, when I start feeling sorry for myself for one reason or another, I sort of slap myself and go, holy cow, girl, <laughs> look what you've got. Look how easy your life is compared to other people that are struggling for their food, for clean water, you know, for a roof over their heads. And that happens in our country as well. So that always helps me just look in, look in the mirror 
and look in somebody else's mirror and see how how are you how are you comparing to uh, how other folks are living i think also you know to be aware that anger is usually covering another emotion it could be covering hurt pain grief and it has a lot more energy than these other emotions anger is you know it 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 has energy behind it. It has passion behind it. It can even work its way up into a rage, but it's generally covering some sort of hurt or pain that we don't want to look at. So, you know, it's just something to be aware of that, yes, you know, I'm feeling anger, but what's underneath it that I'm not really wanting to look at? Yeah. I Many fear, right? Yeah. What's, what's uh, right there, prodding that anger. Mm -hmm. Don't want to look at the fact that we're afraid. So, okay, let me just get angry, right? Yeah. Well, Leo Buscoglia wrote that everything is basically based off of either love or fear. Absolutely. You, you can break down almost any emotion into either love or fear. And yes, it, a lot of times it comes out looking like anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's very true. So, I and, think and, that with COVID, I'm sorry, my bad. No, you go ahead. <laughs> fear was so prevalent overall throughout the whole world. And it did start coming out as anger, didn't it? We saw a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Anger at, at the unknown. We didn't know what we were facing. We didn't know what was real, what wasn't real. And I think it's important to take responsibility for yourself and your feelings rather than blaming other people, you know, because of your fear. There was, there was a lot of anger that came out of that. So much fear. And I, I want to give you so many kudos because you listened to spirit. And in the beginning of COVID, you just sold everything and went off on your world peace tour. You know, I mean, somebody who had a kidney transplant, who had a, is recovering from cancer and, you know, and there you were, you know, the, the, the most, what they would say would be the most susceptible person and spirit said, go ahead, Terry, you're fine. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I love that you listened. I think, you know, that's, that's, I love that about spirit. They always ask you to, it asks you to do things that are just completely off the wall, but they always work out so perfectly. Yeah, you know, I, I I really did have that moment, Marbeth, when they told me to go, and I'm like, don't you all know what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a, like a lockdown here on Earth, you know? and yeah, I heard very very clearly that I was supposed to do this at that time. They said it was the best time to do it because it was so needed to. Yeah bringing in an energy of peace where we were in such a turmoil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two, over two years later, and I'm still going with that tour and just blessed every day. And I, I do, I listen to them in every moment for that guidance. And, and you become, I've noticed that you've become more and more radiant <laughs> as you've been doing the tour. Yeah. that guidance you know we 
when we're connected in and we do it, going back again to what Marbeth told us earlier, we do it by grounding. We do it by going inside and figuring out what's going on with us inside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then we hear clearly, we hear the guidance, that inner guidance system. And I have an outer guidance system in my car. And sometimes I get really upset with it. And sometimes it does take me the wrong way. But if we're connected into that inner guidance, then those times that we're going through something like grief, anger, sadness, depression, whatever it is, we can always turn there and say, what would love have me do right now? What would love have me do in this instant where I'm feeling so angry and so upset and everything looks like it's just falling apart? We always have that inner connection that we can go to. Yeah, that's beautiful. What would love have me do? Yeah. Jean Lorio is with us. She says, I was angry at God when my God granddaughter died. Why? I finally realized that on this earth, these things happen. We may not understand why, but we just accept that God loves us. And many miracles have happened from that tragedy. Like we were saying earlier, out of everything that happens, there's something that we can look at and say, what, you know, what can I gain from this? What perspective or what uh, energy can I gain from this that's turning to love? Yeah, when when Harold died, you know, and I, I was I was so upset, but there were so many gifts that came from that. There were all the people that loved and supported me. My kids flew in from New Mexico to be with me and 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 just having that that growth was amazing and and developing the skills that I did to be able to help other people that were experiencing something similar. You know, that you I I couldn't have done it, you know, had I not really gone through that experience. And what was really crazy is for the the whole year after he passed, he bought me uh, roses through a friend for my birthday, who had someone who had never ever before or since bought me flowers. They showed up. I knew where they were from. There are all these things that happened. There was no doubt in my mind where they came from. It was just like, okay, I'm here. I'm still around. And, you know, and so even though I miss the physicality, you know, just that awareness that, that love is forever, you know, love goes on. And I know that there's a greater meaning in everything that you went through with your house, Ruth. I know that there is. Yeah. I mean, it's, we have had a lot of positive things come out of that experience. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Terry, you said something that made the question come to my mind, why would God make that happen? And I think, I think that's where people get stuck sometimes mm -hmm. is because they think of God as sort of like a Santa Claus. And, you know, if I ask for a new car or whatever, why isn't that happening? Why isn't God giving me this car? Why did God let Jean Lorio's granddaughter die? I think sometimes life just happens and it's not all good stuff. 
And so, you know, I think when somebody goes to that place of, well, why did God let my husband get cancer? Boy, that's a way to just be angry and just sad, you know, and if you can just go, okay, sometimes bad things happen and what can I learn from it? How can we grow from this? And just like, let that responsibility piece go because we're not always going to find out the answers on that. How can I see this a different way? How can I see it through the eyes of love? You know, the angels have had me writing a blog every night. And a few nights ago, the blog was all about, it's okay not to know. It's okay not to have all the answers. And we will never have all the answers to everything. So when something is striking close to home and it's very emotional and very upsetting to us, we want those answers. Mm. But we realize it's okay that we might not get those answers while we're here in this physical form. We, we can't know everything. And there may be something a lot bigger going on, just like you were saying to Ruth, there may be something really bigger going on that um, comes from the tragedy that happened or the illness or the death. There may be something that we just aren't aware of, mm -hmm. but being that open-minded person, we can go into acceptance. And that is one of the stages of grief just finally coming to that acceptance. And when we get there, and so we'll go back out of it, like we were saying earlier, we, we flux in and out of the different stages. But when you're in that state of acceptance, you're open to be taught. You're open to be shown miracles and more of the purpose of why you're here. Yeah. Yeah. So I love this conversation. This, this is so good. And I, I'm hoping, my, my hope with the, all of these shows that will be happening weekly is that we can give people some hope, some inspiration, something to hold on to, because isn't that what we're looking for in our world when it gets a little wonky, when uh, wars break out and, you know, there's like things that just don't make sense that are happening. We all want that something to hold on to. And I call that hope. Mm. Yeah, hope. Hope. It's a beautiful thing. And something else that we can do when we're grieving is to is to reach out to help other people. Yes. You know, volunteering and and helping at shelters or doing something that's going to help other people because that also helps you feel better mm -hmm. and opens your heart and um, helps to shift that energy. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell on our Dr. Ruth Anderson, because I remember right after the fires happened, what were you doing? You were helping a family. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, there was actually one family, but they had like four or five homes, you know, they, a couple living here, a couple living here, they lost five homes in the fire. And so they all ended up in this one other home, but they lost all of their cars. So they had no car. 
and they had to get to work. And so they were needing a car and we were fortunate to be able to help them locate a car and be the middleman to provide that for them. So yeah, that was really healing to us as a family was mm-hmm. to really look around and say, okay, well, these folks need this and these folks need this. And when we would go to the donation centers and we were picking up things for our home, toilet paper and toothbrushes and toothpaste and all of those things you don't think about not having, we would pick some up and give them to other people that we knew couldn't get to the donation place at that day. So yeah, that made us feel better. Yeah, there's something, all of this just happened over in Fort Myers and Cape Coral with the flooding and uh, and the, and then we had Nicole after Ian, you know, and, and just seeing how the communities came together to help each other. It's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. I think we see that in our society when a tragedy happens. We see people coming in to really do what they can to help out. And wouldn't it be nice if we did that every day? I mean, if there wasn't a disaster or a tragedy. It would be. They put aside political differences. Their niceness comes out. Their kindness comes out. It's It's really, maybe that is a purpose. (laughs) of <laughs> some of this, <laughs> these awful things that have been happening. Yeah, it shows that um, that state of coherence we can go into. Mm-hmm. I bet that you're aware of heart math. In yes. The, and you know, they track the frequency that's being put out from us on the planet. Sure. And interesting, when you look at that chart, the times that there were tragedies like 911 and hurricanes and all that good stuff <laughs> and they track the frequency and it's off the charts yeah people come together they have that compassion for each other and we want to help we want to to feel good that we're doing something we sometimes we just need a purpose right to pitch pitch in and help so i just i would love to see a world where we show that kind of compassion every day where that frequency is off the charts every day. Of Let's show- do it. Absolutely. <laughs> There's many things we can do to move along that line. And one of them yeah. is to be more kind to each other. And yeah. you know, we just accept each other as we are without the judgment. I love Sharon Ria is going to be one of my co-hosts later this month. And I love her movement of no judgment, just love. And dropping all of that shoulda, woulda, couldas, and just seeing each other as doing the best we can and walk each other home to our hearts. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. What a blessing this has been. I can't believe this hour is already up. (laughs) (laughs) So I just would love for both of you to take a moment. I have put your bios in the description and, and in all of the the notices that this was happening, but I'd love for you just to take a moment and tell how people can reach out to you and what you would offer for anyone maybe stuck in their grief or ready to move beyond a certain stage that they're in. Um, well, <laughs> I, I'm an intuitive energy management maven. You can see my uh, logo up there. I work with energy and consciousness to help people to 
move in out of <laughs> places that they don't want to be in into places that they do want to be in. So that's one of the things that I'm doing. And I also have, I, I just made a webinar yesterday. Is it okay for me to share that? Absolutely. Okay. Let me just um, get the link because of course I forgot it. Um, it is um, tiny URL, very best year. <laughs> it's um, to create your best year ever. I just woke up um, a couple of weeks ago and I said, this is 2023 is my best year ever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then I realized, well, let's, let's do it. Let's create that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm typing it in. So are there any periods in there? Is it all tiny, tinyurl.com forward slash best year ever. Got it. Best year ever. No, excuse me. Very best year. Very best year. I'm sorry. No, no, no. There's no sorries in Peeville. <laughs> <laughs> Tinyurl.com forward slash bet very best year. I couldn't. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm Ruth Anderson. I know that Terry has broadened the um, invitation on this. So there may be some folks in here that have not been participating in any of Terry's work before or in the Peapod um, before, but I'm, so I'm the founder of Enlightened World Network and we have thousands of videos in YouTube that are meditations, um, shows that people, including Terry, Marbeth has been with us many times. And we have done three years of daily meditations. Our goal, our hope is that folks will be able to come on and find a safe space at Enlightened World Network, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube, and find other folks that are interested in growing and spiritually transforming into whoever they can be. So please join us. You can also check out our website, www.enlightenedworld.online just to get an idea of the different shows and what all it is that we offer. So, so pleased to have you all with us here with Terry. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth. And I just put that link up for anyone who would like to jump in there and go check that out. And I encourage you to check in, check on both these ladies. So amazing and so beautiful. And I just feel honored to have you both in my life. Thank you. Thank you. I've just been sitting here looking at your aura has just been like, <laughs> thank you i i feel awesome. i feel the best i have ever felt in my life i can honestly make that statement and just the joy that's inside mm -hmm. that's what you're seeing yeah, <laughs> joy. i know i totally see it i'm just i don't well i see harrison's aura all the time but i don't normally but i'm looking at it and it's just gorgeous so yeah keep it up Thank you, Marbeth. Thank you so much for your time today and your energy and your wisdom and your love. And Ruth, you know how much I love you, my friend. And so excited that I am right here in the, the town where Ruth is and we can get to see each other a few times. So just want to thank everyone that showed up today, whether you're watching this live or on the replay. And I encourage you all just to hold on to the love inside of you. 
We are like the peas inside the pea pod. We're each unique. We're living out an experience here in our, our 3D world, but we all make up the whole that is the pea pod. So stay in your heart, stay blessed, love you tremendously. Have a beautiful rest of your day or night, wherever you may be. And I'll be back next week for another installment of the pea pod. And I can't wait for you to introduce you to some people and to have more in-depth conversations like we did today. So thank you, everyone. Blessings to you. Bye for now. Bye, ladies. Bye. Bye.